listening to the Fantasy Alarm TFS NBA podcast with host John Pimba and James Grandey. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. Coop and I are here previewing Week 11 of the NFL. And Coop, this is this is Take Two. You and I generally record this on Wednesday. We post it for Thursday ahead of the Thursday Night Football game. But Skype apparently didn't want to cooperate. Apparently, they hated everything that we said, and it just didn't record. I never populated after the after our recording ended there. We're here now on a Friday after recording for the uh, Sunday-Monday main slates, the games that we have remaining. You now, hopefully, we'll, uh, we have a little bit more insight, at least now, some injury news, clarity, and whatnot. So maybe this will be even a better podcast for everybody. Yeah, the crazy part is that so we recorded that, well, recorded in quotes on Wednesday, and now it's Friday, and... If, if we figured it out sooner, I might have remembered anything that I had said, but my mind doesn't work like that. So I actually have no idea what I said previously, and uh, we're just going to have to do it live, buddy. We are going to do it live. And since we are recording on Friday here, Coop, let's just briefly mention the Thursday night football game here for everybody. We can do a little quick recap into the preview of, of the remaining Week 11 games. It wasn't a good one. It was the New England Patriots versus the Atlanta Falcons. Patriots won 25 nothing in that. Patriots defense dominated the, uh, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons offense there. The Patriots offense was okay. I think the big takeaways there is you got a split carry share from Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, and really on the other side, it was the fact that without Corderell Patterson, everybody who spent fab dollars on Wayne Gallman left holding the bag there as Quadrig Olison actually led the running backs in snaps over Wayne Gallman. Pretty disgusting there. I'm not even going to pretend like on Wednesday we even mentioned the name Quadrioles. I mean, because we didn't. It never came up. Not one time. Wait, no, we, we projected him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys missed it. We did actually call that on the original recording. Yeah, no. So last week, uh, we had Ray Ray McLeod. This week. <laughs> yeah, or Team Quadri. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, so it looked like I actually went in and looked at the splits after. And they, even though it seemed like it was just Quadri, they did technically split the snaps 26 26. And what that looks like what they did is they put Mike Davis into the quarter old Patterson role and Davis played 23 pass snaps. All of a sudden only played 14, but the carries obviously went to Quadri and the results went to him as well. So I guess there's not much we can really say about that. On the Patriots side, Belichick, the first thing he said in the press conference was that he wasn't happy with what the offense did. They won 25 nothing, but I guess the defense scored some of those points. Yeah, he said they, they could be better. Penalties were a thing. Bill, Bill Belichick, not happy winning 25 nothing. What else is not happy with just efficient grounded dink and dunk offense there? Because I mean, they truly did leave points on the field. That first drive that they stalled out on the miscommunication between Hunter Henry and Mac Jones. Hunter cut the uh, the root off uh, and Mac threw it to the post to the corner of the end zone, which looked like it would have been open had he gone that direction. They just weren't able to find anything going once they got into that red zone. And the and Nelson Aguilar touchdown. Um, he was completely wide open. They just Atlanta, there was nobody across the middle of the field there. Patriots offense maybe takes a step back, but again, the split share of the carries there. I don't know if you have the snaps in front of you. It's actually probably the worst thing that we want to see in the fantasy realm, which is the two players split the carries, as we know, Damon Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. The player that led the team in pass snaps. Brandon Bolden was 16. Right. So they then it, it's now a kind of three-headed beast, which is the worst case scenario. It has never happened in New England. You say this almost like it's never happened. In like, it it yeah. happens, but it's the worst thing you want to see, though. You know what I mean? Like you want to see, at worst, a split where we know where it is. One guy gets the pass work, one, one guy gets the run work, and you can try and guess the game script. But when it's three guys like this, it's, it's just a nightmare. And I guess I just want to mention on the Hunter Henry thing, that actually – 
puts him, he was already in the lead for end zone targets. I know they haven't had their bye week yet, but that end zone target actually puts him in the lead for the entire league, any position, nine end zone targets. It's more than any other player. And oddly enough, there are five guys that are tied for end zone targets. And some of them you would expect like Terry McLaurin and Mike Williams, but Emmanuel Sanders is on that list. And Randall Cobb, when did Randall Cobb get nine end zone targets, John? Uh, the one game where Devontae Adams wasn't active probably. And because he had, didn't he have two touchdowns that game against Arizona. Right. Right. Yeah. Nine end zone targets, only three touchdowns and so not really okay. uh, super effective. But Aaron Rodgers likes his old friends. So it's always been the idea with him that he picks somebody for that he likes in that area, whether it's Jordy Nelson or James Jones or Robert right. Tunyon. And it looks like Randall Cobb's getting some of that. So just a, a little uh, sneaky stat there. Well, that's a good transition here because we're going to move on to the first game that we're going to preview here in week 11. Hey, Packers on the road going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is Getting a point as a home underdog here, a 47 game total. Last week, we saw Aaron Rodgers return from his COVID stint. It was terrible weather in Green Bay. Both, both Rodgers and Russell Wilson were played like crap. I'm not going to do much of a takeaway on their performance, but what is notable here, the injury to Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is going to be the starting running back now for a few weeks, um, going up against a Minnesota defense with struggles. Against the run. On the flip side, you have Minnesota, who they have a very well-rounded, well-balanced offense, right? They have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. This is a team that should be able to score points here. What are you thinking about this matchup? AJ Dillon's in a smash spot, right? Patrick Taylor, I guess, is the next guy, next man up. Not really threatening there. I guess the only thing that could. I'm surprised Aaron Rodgers didn't force an acquisition of like Ty Montgomery or something. Right. Yeah. Bring back Tyler Irvin. He's a pass catcher, right? I don't think he's, I think he's actually unsigned, but anyway, as it sits now, this is a great matchup. But did, did you mention the DVOA for the Vikings defense? I know it's not yeah. great versus the run. It's, they, yeah, they're terrible. So they're actually, so I, I we, we've mentioned this previously, but we'll right, restate yeah. it here. Minnesota's run defense and DVOA ranks 28th. Their pass defense ranks sixth. But if you look at their schedule, the Minnesota Vikings have actually had a pretty favorable schedule. So I think maybe that number is a little bit skewed to the fact that they weren't really playing strong passing attacks. They had like a three-week stretch where they were playing the Lions, the Browns, and the Panthers. And, and we don't really think of those teams as high-powered passing offenses by any stretch. Let's those be real. They, those teams are actively trying not to throw it. The exactly. Browns and the Bears, like those teams, they they would prefer not to ever throw it if they didn't have to. Right. The, Ra the Ravens as well. Greg Roman has been bottom, I think the stat was bottom three in pass attempts every single year that he's been an OC. That's going back to the Bills, going back to the 49ers. Like this dude, if we're up to him, they would just take passing out of the game. Hey, maybe that number is a little bit skewed. So if you're looking at that as maybe a reason not to start Aaron Rodgers this week or not to play the Packers in DFS, like I you know, wouldn't. I think I would trust in a dome environment, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams it's ignoring the DVOA. And this is what Coop and I talk a lot about. You see the numbers. You don't ever take them on face value. Look a little bit deeper. Service stats are service stats for a reason. Have an understanding where those stats come. We talk a lot about the tight end too, right? Like uh, a team may be terrible against the tight end, but then you look and they've played Kelsey, Waller, and Hawkins, and you're like, they're um, bad. But Or maybe they've just played the three best tight ends in football. Yeah. That's the hard part, man. And that's what we thought with the Ravens. They right. started the year doing that, but then it turns out that they are just yeah, they're not just a poor example there, but that's what I'm trying <laughs> to get at with the well, service 
Yeah, it's, you got to look at it and you got to, the sample sizes are small. And the crazy thing about tight end too, just I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this topic. Yeah, but, we'll talking tight but just one thing quick. There, there are some teams, like take the Broncos, for instance, they have a guy like Justin Simmons who can erase the tight end if they want to. But when you play certain teams, say they play the 49ers, they put Justin Simmons on Kittle, it hurts them. If you play a team like the Cowboys, they're, they might, there's too many weapons. They might not put him on Schultz and then Schultz has a good game. So it's like trying, it's like that gif of the guy trying to mop up the water on the beach. You know what I mean? Or like broom it. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous what we try to do, but we're going to do our best to give you those, the insights on these type of things as we go. Minnesota ranks 28th in DVOA against the run. Again, they played teams that wanted to run the football. They had a little bit of success doing that, but now they're going to go up against AJ Dillon, who is a hammer. I talked all about this when they drafted AJ Dillon, that LaFleur, he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee when Derrick Henry had his breakout season and continued to. And you look at the two builds of these running backs. A.D. Dillon is a monster of a man, similar to Derrick Henry. He was one of the best callers, even though he played at Boston College. And he's looked great this season when given the opportunity. So uh, I think we're going to get a lot of ground and pound there with Dillon against this uh, front against Minnesota. But I still like Adams and, uh, and Rodgers here as well. Yeah. Let's wrap this up the easy way here. Ready? Devontae Adams, A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers, you start them. John, do you like this? Anybody else that you even consider off that team? I really no. don't love no. any of the wide receivers. No. So then Vikings, you start Justin Jefferson. You start no. Adam Thielen. You start Dalvin Cook. For me, Tyler Conklin, there is no tight end in the entire league that is blocked on more pass snaps than Tyler Conklin. That includes blocking tight ends. He has blocked on more pass plays than any other tight end in the entire league. He is due for the wheels to fall off. We've seen this happen with guys like Chris Herndon, Tyler Higby, and the Packers, another team where you, when you look at it, they look like they might not be great versus the tight end, but Devondre Campbell, if they decide to put him on Tyler Conklin, which when it's a consolidated offense like this and you don't have a lot of weapons, they might do that. He could be in for a rough week, so I'm avoiding Tyler Conklin, uh, and I don't think there's anybody else on that offense you're really starting unless you have to start Kirk Cousins in, in a 2QB league or if you're in dire straits. All right, let's go. Next matchup here, we have the New Orleans Saints versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are two-point home favorites. Over-under total here of 43. Do we get any news on Alvin Kamara? Let me go and check that one out right now. I thought he was questionable. I don't know if he had practiced or not. Uh, he's got a limited practice. Yeah, didn't so. practice Thursday, but limited practice on Wednesday. Apparently dealing with a sprained MCL. So Friday's practice, you now recording here Friday, that's a big one. If he doesn't practice Friday, I'm not feeling pretty good. I'm not feeling too good about Ingram's, I mean, for Camaro this week. You know, Mark Ingram is a serviceable backup. You can definitely go ahead uh, and play him. Any of the receivers that you like on the Saints here? None. Any Saints here. There is one, Adam Trotman. I he's moving up for me each week. His deployment gets better. His target share gets better. The reality is this: the first four weeks of the season, he only he was averaging seven and a half snaps at wide receiver. Over the last four, 20. They just changed his coming out of the bye week. They changed his role, and now Trevor Simeon is targeting him the second most of anybody on the team, just behind Deontay Harris, I believe. And Deontay Harris isn't even playing a full snap share. He only played 26 out of 67 snaps last week. Trotman's playing a full snap share. He played the second most snaps only to Traquan Smith. 61 for Traquan, 56 for Trotman. He's at wide receiver. He's doing the things you want to do. The quarterback likes him. This is a guy that, and he goes against 
the Eagles, who we know are a bad defense versus tight end, like that we do know because yeah. they're giving up the most points in the position and it's been 10 weeks. At, that, at this point, you look at that team and say, okay, they don't really have that guy that just takes the tight end away. He's an interesting star, especially in DFS, where he's a Yahoo, at least. Use promo code ALARM if you don't play DFS on Yahoo. They have him as a bare minimum $10 price. That's basically the equivalent of that like $2,500 guy on DraftKings. So uh, not maybe not trusting your normal seasonal leagues, but... Uh, make at least one DFS lineup with the guy. Yep. Eagle side of things here. Nick Sirianni said that when unhealthy, Miles Sanders will return as their starting running back. They did uh, designate him to return from IR, opening up the practice window. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see if he is ready to go for this weekend here against the Saints. But it's not a great matchup. You don't really run good. You don't really, teams don't really run well against the Saints. This has been the case forever. It doesn't even matter who the running back is. Like, they just don't run well against them. If you're looking at the receiving side of things, Dallas Goddard still in concussion protocol. If he's not out there, we know Devonta Smith, but maybe you give credence to a Quez Watkins or maybe Jalen Rieger gets off the bench here a little bit in, in five So seconds. Goddard actually returned to practice. So oh, I think he was is. Was he cleared uh, or was he, was he? He was out there, but I don't know if he was cleared. They said okay. makes progress. So okay. yeah, but it's, it's a good sign can... that he's out there. Yeah, yeah I don't I think know. he's not cleared yet. Keep an eye on that. But Yeah, for um... sure. Keep an eye on that. I know they can be out there while going through the process, but definitely a good sign to see him as a participant. So. And on the running back side, this just like the Patriots, we, we just talked about it jordan howard 12 run plays boston scott 11 but then kenneth gainwell led the team in pass snaps with 14 which his 14 snaps was more than howard and boston scott combined for me i try to avoid any of these guys unless you're in dire straits if miles sanders is cleared and they say he's the starting back and yeah. clearly none of these guys have taken a step forward then i would consider starting miles sanders but i'm trying to avoid any of these guys if you yeah. have to start one of these three guys which one do you like john are you talking including Miles Sanders or with that? Oh, no. So like if you're a uh, Jordan Howard for me. Jordan Howard. Yeah. I mean he's so. the red zone exactly. Yeah. That you're just trying to because no one's really getting pass work at all from a guy that doesn't throw to running backs. And the week before last, he didn't throw to any of them a single time. So for me, yeah. that's what you're doing. You're just trying to take a stab on who scores a touchdown. It's yeah. probably Jordan Howard. Just to confirm what I said earlier, New Orleans number one against the run per DVOA. It's just they just, you just don't run against them. The next matchup, Baltimore Chicago. Money's coming in on Chicago Bears here. They open as a six-point underdog at home. They're now four and a half points. That probably has a little bit to do with the Lamar Jackson missing practice due to an, a non-COVID-related illness. But Chicago's also played better of late. They're trending in the right direction here. Hollywood Brown missed practice this week as well. I like Rashad Bateman. I know where this offense is going. It looks like um, Latavius Murray's going to come back this week after they let go of Le'Veon Bell. Chicago, David Montgomery came back and just played a bunch of snaps. Cleo Herbert's gone, but Montgomery stepped in and filled the role nicely. Yeah. Uh, so with this one, you also have some reports that Allen Robinson might actually be in, in doubt to play. I I didn't I saw that he was that they were he was questionable at the very least, and there were some doubts on whether he might play or not. Um, not sure what the injury was. I might have missed that, but well, he got uh, hurt on that that one catch last week. Remember, he he finally made him, mm -hmm. and then he, he he ended up getting hurt on it. We're like, of course, Aaron Robinson not, probably makes a big play and he gets hurt on it. He's just not used to it. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But this is another one where I we know that the Ravens are not good versus tight end. Cole Komet is another guy where if you play on Yahoo, make your lineup with Adam Troutman. If you play on DraftKings. Cole Komet is pretty much the same price as Troutman, and he's been performing better. He's been getting fairly consistent targets. He always had a good target share throughout the season. It's just when they were throwing 20 times, four targets is a 20% target share. Five targets is a 25% target share, which is what guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen get. So if you got to take that into effect. If the team's going to throw more, that's a rising tide 
lifts all boats to a certain degree from that standpoint. So I like all those pass catchers, if they're going to actually throw, this game might not be the best for it because these are two run-heavy teams. But for Komet, at least, it's a good matchup. On the Ravens side, we know they like to use a ton of different personnel groups. I think Nick Boyle is back, which is, you know, that's just another cog in the machine. Because when you put Nick Boyle in the game, you put Patrick Ricard in the game, you have to take a wide receiver out. So it's like Marquise Brown is a guy that's most likely to stay in. You start him in every situation. Rashad Bateman looked really good. So I think you try and get him in your deeper leagues. But you just got to remember that this could turn into one of those ground and pound games where it's two tight ends with Boyle and Andrews and Patrick Ricard and a running back. And when you factor in the quarterback in the line, that's 10 guys. You can only have one guy on the field as a wide receiver. So just keep that in mind with a guy like Bateman that he's probably never going to be a guy where they play, you know, 60 snaps and he plays 58. It's going to be more like they play 60 snaps and he plays 30 or 40. Just keep that in the back of your mind. For running backs, John, do you like any of these? Is Latavius Murray back or are we just wheels up with Devonta Freeman right now? I don't want to play either of them. But if, I think if Latavius is back, he's probably the lead guy, but it feels like a wait and see approach for me. Yeah, they cut they cut Le'Veon Bell. So, yeah, that's what I'm know. saying. I think they cut him because Lat's back. And then mm-hmm. you, Latavius Murray was the starter there until the injury. I don't know. I know they're, they're probably going to end up splitting time. Maybe Freeman's more of the third down role because he does catch the football while Murray's more of the early down by it back. But again, nothing I'm looking to have too much exposure to. If I can next match up San Francisco, Jacksonville, six and a half point home underdog here over under 45. I think we're still waiting on news of Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he had finger surgery this week. He did not practice from what I saw, or he was on the field with a non-contact jersey. There's a chance that he doesn't play this week, and Jeff Wilson is the starting running back. Debo Samuel, monster game last week. George Kittle, monster game last week. Ayuk has been looking better. So this 49ers offense really starting to round into yeah, with anytime you have this Elijah Mitchell situation where they say he had surgery, he could play, you got to know that you're taking your life in your hands in this situation. Because anytime that this happens, say San Francisco goes up big early, they're just going to say, okay, we don't need to use it. We saw it with that year, I think it was 2016, maybe with Latavius Murray broke his hand and he played. And one game, the first game back from breaking his hand playing, he did really well. And then the next game, it was the game, the last game of the season. I think they had their playoff position locked up and they just couldn't use it. But that's, so that's the risk with this type of situation is that I don't think you're going to see a world where Elijah Mitchell goes out and gets every single carry and just crushes the Jaguars because if they're up, then they probably force feed the guy with a broken finger. Beyond that, you start Debo every week and you're, if you drafted him, you're a genius. You know what I mean? Everyone was going for Brandon Ayuk. Debo is the deeper guy. We know Vegas odds actually had Debo ahead. So somebody yeah, needs something you, over you, there. You identified that. That's the thing is these guys, man, are so sharp. That's why we bring up the odds every week because they they might not get it exactly right. You can't in this sport, but it is scary sometimes these over-unders where they say 43 and a half and then the total is 43 or 44. Like these guys know what they're talking about. So if they're saying Debo is ahead of I, who am I? to say that I know more than the guys who know the most in the right. entire world. I always lean into that a little bit. That's why we always talk about it. So you start Debo, you start, and Ayuk's getting good usage too. If you're desperate, you start him too. You obviously start Kittle. Uh, on the Jaguars side, I do. Dan Arnold, this isn't a great matchup, but his deployment's been really good. James O'Shaughnessy's the last hurdle here for him to move into that dependable tier for me. So we'll see if he has any effect, but I'm starting him. Are you starting any of the wide receivers for the Jaguars, John? No. Yeah, agreed. James yeah. Robinson, we start? Yeah, I think you you start James Robinson. Yep. Probably where I go. Uh, next matchup here. I got some clarity on this one that we didn't have on uh, Wednesday when we first recorded. Detroit versus Cleveland. Cleveland is giving 11.5 points in this one, a 44.5 
I'm sorry, 43 and a half over under. Nick Chubb cleared to go. If the Browns don't give Nick Chubb 20 plus carries in this game, I'm going to be upset. It's the Detroit. It's like he should run for 200 yards here. Uh, My lone worry is the fact that Dearness has looked good whenever he's been given any sort of increased role that they may split the carries still, right? Like they just want to give him run, but this should be a Cleveland game all the way. Swift got 30 carries last week. Mm -hmm. If they do, you're not going to never not play Swift, but like that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that. And honestly, for a team that's tanking, it seems a little reckless, right? Like there's no reason. I know Jamal Williams is out. And it's what's funny about the 30 carries is that, of course, he played like 50 something snaps here. I'll pull it up so we don't have to say, you know what I mean? We have the information. He played 66 of 71 snaps. So he didn't play on five snaps. The other two running, Godwin Egwabuki, which I don't, I'm sorry, I butchered that one. But Jamar Jefferson, those guys combined for seven snaps. And those two scored the two touches. Swift plays the entire game, doesn't score. Those two guys pop in for two seconds and score. That's football for you, man. I think that when you look at these lines, like once Nick Chubb was announced, it looks like Cleveland is now another point and a half favorite and the over-under went down. That kind of implies that they think that they're just going to bury the lions in a big pile of leaves and jump on it. It's just going to be run them into the ground. The guy that worries me most about this is Hawkinson. Inexplicable what's been going on with him. Uh, You like, I think he's going to bounce back. He plays the whole game. He ran the most routes of any player on the team. So I'm still starting him. But if he has another down game, you really have to start thinking about other guys because this is their schedule moving forward. They have some of the most difficult tight end defenses that we know in this league coming up on the schedule. They have the Vikings with Eric Kendricks. They have the Bears, who is a top five team versus all four of these teams about to name our top five teams. They play the Bears, the Vikings with Eric Kendricks. Then they play the Broncos. I just talked about Justin Simmons. And then they get the Cardinals, who are the number one team versus the tight end with Isaiah Simmons. That's back to back to back after this game. So if Hawkinson doesn't do much in this game, you really have to get somebody else on your team and potentially consider starting them. Yeah, I'm with you on that one as well. Um, next matchup, Washington versus Carolina here. Antonio Gibson ran for two touchdowns last week against Tampa Bay, but he averaged, I think it was under three yards a carry. We have Cam Newton back for Carolina starting this week. Christian McCaffrey, if you look at the snap share, he's only 59% of the snaps are in that range, but it was a blowout. Uh, they didn't need to give him the full run. That being said, 10 catches, over 150 total yards. He's back to good mm-hmm. here. And, and the only worry, of course, is, is the red zone work now. Cam Newton came in the red zone, and he threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey was down at the one-yard line, down at the two-yard line, and ruled out on a pass play at the four-yard line. And never, Chuba Hubbard ran one in, and then the two Cam Newton scores. Frustrating for those who played McCaffrey, but it's good to see that he basically has no restrictions, and he's as good as ever, it seems like. Yeah, the crazy thing is McCaffrey was still one of the top DFS backs just on the receptions. But yeah, the getting tackled at the one-yard line, that's a little bit of uh, the Delvin Cook disease. I know he, yeah. he leads the league in that this year, and... Uh, somebody said that he had five of them. The last five he's had, he didn't score the touchdown afterwards. Yeah, he leads either. the league and tackled at the one without them scoring. So. Yeah, which is terrible stat. That's just awful stat, man. So sorry for that. DJ Moore, you start him. Um, fairly confident. Robbie Anderson looked a little re- reinvigorated with Cam Newton. If, if you're desperate, then you, you go that way. On the other side of the ball with Washington, it was nice to see that Antonio Gibson, I went and looked up the end of that game. In the last five minutes, the, they were the last 14 plays of the game, Antonio Gibson touched the ball 10 times. When the team is up big, which nobody expected them to be up big versus the Buccaneers, he's the guy that closes the game out. That's good to know that they don't just put in a, a different player or a backup because those points count. 10 touches in the last four minutes of the game, he would yeah. have a totally different game 
had he not gotten those. And that could probably explain a little bit of the the yards per carry is that, you know. Washington had a 10-minute drive in that fourth quarter, which basically iced the game. Wild that Tampa Bay was not able to get Henneke and the Washington football team off the field there for a shot. Yeah, I so I actually just here's an interesting stat because I was looking at some of this stuff this week, but this week just kind of messing around. I looked at the teams that were up by eight or more points in the last five or actually it was the last eight minutes of games. Only one pass was attempted by one of those teams during that span. When you're watching these games and think and you're rooting for your guy, just remember that if a team is up big and you have a pass catcher, it really a lot of these times they they do just run the clock down and punt if they're up by two scores. Just something to keep in mind that it's, I, I was surprised to see that you would think that some of these teams would have been forced in some situations to throw at least a little bit and they just didn't. Like these teams were content punting the ball at times too when there's that much time left. It becomes a field position game and annoying for fantasy, but just figured I'd throw that out. Colts Buffalo Buffalo is a seven point home favorite here, forty nine and a half game total. What's your feelings here on this matchup between the Colts and, and Bills? Oh, before we go on, I have to throw out one last thing on Washington. Sure. Sorry to go back, but I have to get this name on the record. Ricky Seals-Jones and Logan Thomas don't play. John Bates actually slid right into that role, just like Ricky Seals-Jones did into Logan Thomas's role. He slid right in. He played 46 snaps. That's after Ricky Seals-Jones played 33. All season, John Bates, in the first eight games, has played 12 snaps at wide receiver. In this one game, he played 24. He doubled that number. So if both those guys aren't going, John Bates is a DFS play. And in super deep leagues, if both those guys are out, I honestly trust this guy. He played 20 <laughs> He played 20 snaps at wide receiver and got three Fourth targets. round pick this year out of Boise State. He had three targets, three catches on those on that 64% snap share. That's what I'm saying. It's, and, and if you look at the snap share for, what's the snap share for Ricky Seals-Jones? Like he didn't get hurt in the beginning. It was like he played and yeah. then... Ricky Seals-Jones had a 45% snap share. So those two snap shares total over. And also had four targets. So, you yeah. know, again, they throw to the tight end heavily here. Yeah, so that's the last thing on Washington is that John Bates is a name that if both those guys are out, which I'm not sure if they will be or not, but if they're both definitely out, John Bates, you have to get him in a DFS lineup. He's He is bare bones $2,500 on DraftKings. I looked at it already. So, yeah. all right, back to Colts, Colts and Buffalo. Yeah, Colts and Buffalo. Uh, Hilton came back last week. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. And, and Michael Pittman, flip side. But Dawson Knox played, but he didn't do much. I blocked a lot, if I remember you mentioning. Yeah. Uh, so people who have maybe been riding you a little bit on the Dawson Knox performance earlier this year, we'll see if that, that trend continues. They were not, they weren't riding me. They were peer pressuring me to move him up in my rankings when I was hesitant because <laughs> he, he was the fourth target on the team before he got hurt. It was Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, and then him. So I was a little concerned in that standpoint. I thought that I was worried that he wasn't going to get a full snap share. And what happened this week is actually even worse than that, which is that he got a full snap share and they asked him to block on eight pass plays, which is the whole reason that we worry about certain guys like Conklin and some of these other dudes that like Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble. If you are blocking on a pass play, you might as well not even be on the field. Dawson Knox played more snaps than Stefan Diggs last week. And that was the production you got out of him. So if this is how they're going to use him while his hand is healing or hurt, then you can't use him. I, it's very difficult to trust him right now. I'm starting Diggs. I'm starting Emmanuel Sanders where I need him. And then I can't trust Beasley or Gabe Davis, right? What are your thoughts on those guys? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm, not tr- I'm not trusting them at all. Yeah. Running backs for the for the Bills, it's the same as always. It's like they want to use both guys. And it's just Matt never... Brady scored last week. I don't know what they want. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they want to do anymore. I have no idea. 
I just yeah. don't know. So, and you got Josh Allen too. It's again, it, if you're backing your backs up against the ropes, use one of those guys. Interesting this week to see again. We talked a lot about Buffalo, and and maybe this is a little bit of a slanted take or a biased take being Patriots fans here. But if you're looking at Buffalo's schedule to this point in the year, they haven't really had a ton of tests. Obviously, they went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, but like the rest hasn't. They've shut out like the Texans and they, they've played some bad teams this year. They lost uh, to the Jaguars. Yeah, they lost to Jacksonville. But this is this could be one of those tests. So I'm curious to see how Jonathan Taylor fares against a, a run defense that is numbers-wise has been very good, but also they haven't played teams that run the football like the Colts do. So that's something I, I want to pay attention to in this one. Yeah, for me, like the, the interesting thing for me, because you're starting Taylor, you're starting Pittman. I want to see if T.Y. Hilton can get a bigger snap share because Zach Paschal, I tweeted out some numbers on it. He's basically, he's run the 15th most routes of any wide receiver in the league, which is crazy because there's 32 teams. He's top 15 and he's, I believe, wide receiver 47 or something like that. So he's just not even on the radar given the amount of work that he's getting. I would just like to see T.Y. get a boost and take that role back if possible. He's been eased back in. And he might be getting the Antonio Brown, older guy gets limited snap share treatment, but I just want to see him come to the forefront because Pascal is just a wasted opportunity for fantasy. Sure. Next matchup was going to be a wasted opportunity for fantasy. We have Houston, Tennessee, (laughs) a 10 point favorite, 44 and a half game total here. Donta Foreman revenge game on tap, potentially. Adrian Peterson looking old and slow, but still splitting. The snap counts, AJ Brown, no Julio Jones, Houston, has Brandon Cooks, but I don't think much else. This this one should right. be a quick, quick shake here, Coop. Yeah, quick and easy. I'll With Houston, we know what it is. Can't really trust any of the running backs. You pretty much only start Cooks. I just want to say with the Titans, I went back and watched the, the last two games condensed. I'm not crazy. I didn't spend six hours here, but I went back and watched the condensed quickly on the games with uh, the last two since Derrick Henry's been out. And here's what we saw for goal line situations. Adrian Peterson, one-yard touchdown. Adrian Peterson was on the field for a two-yard play action to Jeff Swaim. There was a pass interference in the Anthony Ferkser. Adrian Peterson was on the field, but Tannehill snuck it in. And then they had another play from the one-yard line. Adrian Peterson was on the field. It was a bootleg, and Tannehill took it himself. So it's pretty clear as of this, unless something has drastically changed, that Adrian Peterson is the goal line back. This is how I'm treating this team. I'm treating him the same way we treated the Ravens coming into the season where J.K. Dobbins is the explosive, you know, better runner probably. That's your Devonta Foreman. Adrian Peterson is, and you, so the guy you want is still Foreman, but just don't be surprised if the Gus Edwards or Lamar Jackson on this team in the form of Adrian Peterson or Ryan Tannehill steal that touchdown. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I only got it. I could look it up, but I'm just going to guess anyways. I think he's got four in the last five rushing touchdowns. Something that me, either three of the last four or four of the last five games. I think he has ran for a touchdown. Four, four or five. Four touchdowns and four of the last five. Yep. So yep. good good partially made up stat, John. That's four or five <laughs> of the initial take. You had it. Yeah. Horrible for your running backs. Absolutely yeah. horrible for your running backs. That Tannehill is just all of a sudden picking up. He had seven rushing touchdowns last year. So, like, mm-hmm. he's now on, on pace to exceed that. Just ugly, ugliness if you have a running back there in Tampa Bay. Or not Tampa Bay, Tennessee, rather. Uh, next matchup here, Miami versus the Jets. The Jets getting three and a half points here at home. Joe Flacco is starting for the Jets this week here. I don't know what that means for the running backs because when White was the quarterback, it meant great things for Carter and Johnson when it comes to catching the football. Is Joe Flacco going to check down or is he going to be throwing downfield because he has that big arm to a Corey Davis to an Elijah Moore or something of that like? 
On the other side, the Jets have the worst run defense in football, or maybe the second worst thing the Chargers do per DVOA. But this could be very easily be a Miles Gaskin day. Yeah, I'm excited to see some vintage Joe Flacco, like a 45-yard uncatchable pass down the field that gets called pass interference. Like, that's how I remember Joe Flacco, and that's kind of what I expect this game. From the Jets side, we saw a worst-case scenario for the wide receivers. We were talking about, okay, we haven't really had everyone healthy. James Crowder was out. Corey Davis is out. Mims was dealing with some stuff. Now we have everyone healthy. We're like, okay, who's it going to be? It turns out that it's going to be the the veterans. So Corey Davis played 65 of 77 snaps. James Crowder's played 64 of 77. The next highest was Elijah Moore, only played 43 of 77, just a little more than half. You want to see them let the kids loose. Jameson Crowder, is he going to be part of this team moving forward when they're actually competing? Hard to say, but it makes him less appealing to me that they want to go with the vets. I think Corey Davis is the guy that benefits most. And then I'll just, you know, mention briefly that Michael Carter is the guy, but Ty Johnson, when I was looking at those end of game numbers, I looked at the teams losing as well. Ty Johnson got four touches when they were in uh, desperation mode type situations. Michael Carter only got one. So they are using Ty Johnson like that. Hurts his upside. Uh, on the flip side, Miles Gaskin is a dude that is now locked in. And they they also, the Dolphins had a pass interference in the end zone. I talked about this on the Coop Scoops uh, quick video segment. And he, uh, Miles Gaskin was a dude to go down there and punch it in. So uh, you, well, actually, sorry. he They sent him to punch it in. He didn't on the first play. And then they threw an incomplete pass and got a uh, five-yard penalty. And it turned into not a touchdown from the one-yard lines, as the Dolphins tend to do. But in theory, he would be that guy. So I like Miles Gaskin. I like Jalen Waddle. I like Mike Isecki, especially in this matchup. And that's about it from that team. Okay. Well, let's go on to the next matchup. Then we have Cincinnati off a of bye against the Raiders, who just got destroyed by the Chiefs. Monday Night Football. The Raiders are a one-point home dog here. Uh, 50 and a half game total. The Bengals did not look good before their bye. They got, I think they faced Cleveland. Just got absolutely smacked. But I do think we're going to see uh, a bounce back here. Even though I guess teams coming off a of bye actually don't, haven't fared too well. I got that stat from Adam Ronis last night on Alarm After. Usually the common perception is fresh off a bye. They've had the time to prepare. Yet, and I guess this season that hasn't truly been the case. And Tampa Bay last week lost outright coming off a of bye to Washington on the road. So uh, maybe this one could be a letdown game for Cincinnati. But you look at Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and the way Burrow is thrown this year. And you look on the other side and yeah, I just I'm not excited about what we're seeing in, with Las Vegas. So Jacobs hasn't looked spectacular at all waller had a good game last week those have been few and far between renfro is maybe the only consistent piece right now running in las vegas man that was a hell of a breakdown including a, a interesting stat from adam ronis who when he talks trends especially betting trends you listen i That's- wish i had the exact number but uh, i don't remember it fully but uh, you can go and check the rewind button there over on the uh, Sirius XM app and listen to him alarm after hours last night. And Adam had mentioned that teams coming off a of bye this season have not fared too well. And so just something to of note in that aspect. Right. Yeah. And I just want to say that. So now we're into the four o'clock games. This is the first of the four o'clock's four Oh five. And finally we knock on wood look like we have a slate of good games because in the past couple of weeks we had situations like Kyle, it's a good matchup on paper, but Kyler Murray's out or it's a good matchup and Aaron Jones is out or it's a good matchup and Derrick Henry is out. Like we had all these good matchups on paper that weren't coming to fruition. I think this Bengals Raiders game is going to be fun. I think these next couple games we're going to talk about are going to be fun as well. Even some of the night games. There's a lot of good games on the slate at four o'clock should be a lot of fun this week. That's, that's really all I have to add there. Mixon's looking good. And I don't love CJ Uzoma, but if you're a CJ Uzoma guy, the Raiders are a team that's, you know, letting the tight end kind of run wild on them. Maybe, maybe a DraftKings or play or something like that, but I'm not really 
super excited about him with all the wide receivers healthy. I agree with you there. Cincinnati is 21st against the pass this season, so in DVOA, something to look at. Uh, marquee matchup of the week, Dallas versus Kansas City. Play everybody. Yeah, this play. might be the matchup of the year, man. 56 over under, right? The spread's close, so should be fireworks, man. Yeah, play everybody. Play. There's, I'm playing Michael Gallup, too. John, we're getting yeah, him in you there. Can, you can play probably six receivers in this game, including Kelsey as a receiver. Maybe seven if you want to talk Schultz, but like Gallup, Lamb, Cooper, Schultz, Hardman, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, you maybe them throw them all in there. And, and Daryl Williams, even Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. If we're expecting 56 uh, total points here, everybody in these offenses should be productive probably at some level. So right. uh, I, I think there is this is a full in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw Gallup. He came right back in, got five targets. In the game that he left early in the season, he got seven targets and he got hurt in like the third quarter. So he only played like 60% of the game. So this is a guy that's capable of, of catching a lot of balls. Schultz, I'm fading him a little bit. Definitely scared that he only got two targets in the first game with Gallup back. Pivot away from him if you can. With Schultz, this is this is a perfect situation if you're a Schultz owner because he gets the Chiefs, who are, again, a bottom six defense versus tight ends. This is a huge over-under game. If Schultz doesn't do anything in this game, you can just move on from him because it doesn't get better than this situation for a guy like that. And unless a wide receiver gets hurt again, you can't bank on that. So uh, this is a prove-it game. If Schultz is hanging in there, then you can hang in there with him. But if he doesn't do anything for the second week in a row, we got your, you got your answer. Yep. Uh, Arizona Seattle's next one here. Seattle's a two and a half point home underdog in this one. It's looking like Kyler Murray is going to play. This. We don't know the stats on DeAndre Hopkins, but obviously Kyler back is good news for Arizona. Edmonds is still out. James Conner is the guy there. Seattle, Russell Wilson came back last week, looked terrible. But as I mentioned during the Green Bay, Minnesota breakdown, that game in Green Bay last week, they had a blizzard early in the day. Then it switched to rain. It was windy. It was cold. Wasn't exactly throwing weather. Uh, even Aaron Rodgers had struggled. This matchup this week in Seattle, looked at the weather reports. From what I've seen so far, it's supposed to be clear. It's supposed to be 50 degrees. I'm expecting maybe a better bounce back performance here from Russell Wilson. That being said, Arizona has played good defensively this season. So I have a little bit of hesitation here. And Chris Carson, I believe, is supposed to be as well after being inactive last week after practicing. Something to at least watch for when it comes to someone like an Alex Collins or Carson. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, this division, it's always funny to see these matchups where it's you have an eight and two team against a three and six team and the spread is two because this right. division, it's they acknowledge that anyone can win any of these games. It's just, just one of those, so it's just one of those things. It's funny like that, especially with some of the home field advantage. Like Seahawks obviously have crazy home field advantage. It will be interesting. I'm excited to see it. I'm starting Lockett, I think, is back on the menu. He benefits a lot from Russell Wilson. Gerald Everett, people might be excited to see eight, eight catches on eight targets, I think that's a bit of a trap, especially going in against the Isaiah Simmons. I think they're going to probably take that away this week. So I would not rely on him if that's what your game plan was. I'd probably try to pivot away a bit. And then we talked about the Cardinals. We know what they are. Rondell Moore is not really getting enough snaps. The rest of those guys, you play them as you see fit. Zachary, it's just, it's a little too spread out. We prefer to have the consolidation that like the Seahawks have, two wide receivers rather than four, but it is what it is. Yep, Sunday night football game. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, as I've mentioned already, the Chargers dead last in DVOA against the run. And Pittsburgh has someone named Najee Harris, who should be getting 30 carries uh, in this game. And maybe he'll actually be productive in a yards per carry efficiency level as well. Something we haven't gotten out of him this year because of how bad this Steelers offensive line is. But when you're going up against a team like the Chargers, who probably couldn't stop you in the backfield, Coop, you're a good athlete. There's a good chance that Najee this week have a very good day. 
But I'll tell you what, man. I don't know if I could do the uh, snap share that Najee's getting. That's for sure. 70, 75 to 86 snaps. I, you, I could do maybe two snaps if they don't give me the ball in the first one. But the yeah, 75 to 86 snaps. And my the way I look at that is a lot of times you see these teams draft. Like think about Jordan Love being picked in the first round and they haven't even used the guy. If you're a Steelers fan, even if you didn't like the Najee Harris pick, like they're you they're using him like he's a first round pick. He is making an impact. So at this point, the team's five and three. So at this point, it's hard to knock on them for going with a guy and then using him to the fullest extent that you can use a player, right? He's in there. We briefly victory lapped Ray Ray McLeod earlier, which I told you, hey man, at first you get the snaps, then you get the targets, then you get the khakis, then you get the girls. That's how it works out here, man. And Ray Ray was getting the snaps. And then now with Claypool out, he got the targets. It's a little scary that it went directly from zero to a hundred with him getting like one target in the past and going straight to 12 because now expectations maybe are a little too high. It's a little easier to tout a guy when the ramp up goes like four, five, seven. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this guy here, it's a little scary, but maybe a DFS play, but he's out there. And then you can't, you got to talk about Pratt Fryermuth anytime this team comes up. He's taking on the role. He's getting the snaps. They like well, the guy, Eric Ebron. He's pulled the commit, right? This is what I asked you earlier. Is there a chance he does a commit to Graham flip here? And at least last week, it looked like that's the case here. Yeah, he did it, man. It's like, the thing is, though, like at the beginning of the season, we didn't like Fryermuth, and we were right. He wasn't doing in the beginning. He wasn't doing anything, but mm-hmm. now he's flipped this this script. But the way I look at the teams like this, even if he had flipped the script and gotten more snaps than Ebron, like he is now, he's not getting the full snap share like he isn't, but he's getting more. If Claypool and Juju were still healthy, I'm not sure I would still like him. But with Juju and Claypool out, now I love him. It's like, we have to be scientific about this. When we get new information, we have to adjust our thesis is we have to uh, roll with the punches. So I moved him up in my rankings. I think everyone should at this point. He's a guy that needs to be owned in all your leagues. The Chargers, Jared Cook is falling completely off the map he's just they're splitting the snaps between the three tight ends there even they actually it's actually four tight ends i think steven anderson might be banged up but even trey mckitty played a good chunk of snaps last week the rookie donald parham's playing you just can't trust any of that for this team i'm starting eckler i'm starting keenan allen and then what do you do about mike williams john what do you do it's exhausting Uh, i i don't want to play him people you have to ignore what happened earlier this year. Four, first four weeks of the season was six weeks ago. And it's a different world than we were living in five minutes ago. Here, he's, pulling a, he's pulling a reverse path. So he, he is not a – how long did it take people to stop playing Allen Robinson? Like where Allen Robinson was dropped in some leagues. I'm not advocating for a drop of Mike Williams, but I'm like – we're getting there, right? <laughs> got somebody else. If you got somebody else, you got to start. You got to play. I mean, listen, listen. The the target share has been okay in the last couple of weeks. Six, five, five, five. So perfect. Okay, he's getting five targets a game. The snap share, fantastic. 90, 83, 95. Everything you want to see there. Two, 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 four catches. Like oh. they're, they're just not completing the ball to him downfield. Defenses are probably taking that play away because earlier in the season. He was lighting them up and teams like, oh man, Mike Williams is healthy. We got to figure out how to stop this. And and now they are right. And they're forcing Mm -hmm. all these underneath passes. Is there still an opportunity for him to have a big game? Of course, that's just the type of receiver he is, but he's a wide receiver three right now. Like you can't put him in as you're comfortably as your wide receiver one or two. And if you have a guy in a better matchup this week, you probably have to at least consider it. This is expected to be, yeah, I think this is going to be a slow grind them out game from the Pittsburgh perspective. They're just going to try to run clock and run the football. 
I don't, I think this game's going to come in on the under the 47. So I just, yeah, it's a risky, it's a risky proposition here. You got to play him, but another bad week where he's giving you under 10 fantasy points in a PPR like he has now for four straight weeks. In fact, he's given you under eight fantasy points in a PPR now for four straight weeks. You, you got to start evaluating some things because after this matchup at home against Pittsburgh, on the road against Denver, on the road against Cincinnati, road games where, where generally the Chargers have not fared well this year, this could be a spot where you have to worry. Right. This is just a, like a microcosm of his full career, too. Like he had like the one year, 10 touchdowns, another. Why can't he put them together? And well, this is why he can't. Yeah, he has. Yeah. See, he had 600 yards and 10 touchdowns. The next year he comes back, has a thousand yards and two touchdowns. That's just the way he is. Like this guy, this is the kind of guy where next year I might rank him at 15 in best ball and then 40 in redraft. Like you can't trust him week to week. But in best ball, you're happy to have him because the bad weeks don't hurt you. In, in redraft, he's been killing you. The last five, we I mean, dude, 19 yards. Like gotta- at the very least, this recent stretch of it was something that was to continue. We were looking at Mike Williams maybe as like a fourth round wide receiver the way he started the year, and now maybe he's dropped back to like seventh, sixth, eighth in that territory, right? The draft stock and ADP has, has fallen down. So. Right. If 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 you traded for Mike Williams, dude, you should be looking to fight people. <laughs> yeah, you probably paid a pretty penny for what has now amounted to. Uh, replacement level of reproduction here the last game new york giants on the road against tampa bay buccaneers are giving 11 points is a 49 and a half game total tom brady at home this season 18 passing touchdowns in four games so animal yeah over four touchdowns a game at home this year the giant secondary has not been very good uh, at home the tampa bay is three and one against the spread they haven't been a good spread team they're actually uh, their own four on the road this year against the spread but they're just an absolute machine at home here tampa bay godwin evans gronk is supposed to play this week i think you could play gronk assuming all systems end up being a go that tampa bay is just gonna just gonna put up points this week yeah like the only concern is that maybe they just win too handily but the good thing about tampa bay is they, they seem like they're not a team that's afraid of that you know what i mean like we've seen it with belichick in the past where he's like this is it's your job to stop us it's the defensive job to stop us like he's not scared to hang 50 i don't think the buccaneers are a team that really does take the foot off the gas uh, i think they will just continue to destroy you if they have that opportunity i think tom brady loves that uh, i wouldn't be surprised if that was the situation here and i wouldn't be concerned about tom brady in the sense of oh might, they might just run the ball like that's tom brady doesn't do that so i think they're gonna they're gonna be pretty good here and i will say about gronk I tweeted this stat, which still seems ridiculous to me, in that I mentioned Hunter Henry leading the league in end zone targets. Gronk is still tied for fifth among all tight ends in end zone targets, and he hasn't played since week three. And over that span, you take Hunter Henry's number one, tied for second is Mark Andrews and Tyler Higby with seven end zone targets. If you look at Cameron Brate since Gronk's been out, they've combined in just those games for seven end zone targets. So Tom Brady's been throwing, firing the ball into the end zone at the tight ends. Gronk or no Gronk, 12 end zone targets for tight ends would lead uh, lead the league. So when Gronk is back, if you're in, especially in standard or half point PPR leagues, if he's playing with considering how many guys are below that touchdown dependent threshold like you have to lean on him on the giant side i'm starting saquon as long as he's going i'm starting evan ingram where i need him because the bucks aren't that great against the tight end and they're gonna have to throw a bunch kenny galladay sterling shepherd Kadarius tony names that it's hard to feel good about john what are your thoughts active i play shepherd because he's just the target hog for daniel jones but yeah the rest of that is just Tony, I probably consider Tony as well, but then the problem there is Shepard generally plays the slot and then Tony plays the slot. So 
who gets bumped. Ingram when... also plays the slot. It's yeah. So Kenny Gall, if they're all healthy, Kenny Galladay plays split end. He'll be out there every snap. That role, Daniel Jones is just not finding him. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, Shepard. How many guys in the league have have games this year with 14 targets? So right. you kind yeah. of that's the safety net. It's been like that since Jones took over at quarterback. He just loves Shepard. We as a fantasy community love Sterling Shepard. He his mm-hmm. hamstrings just hate us. You know, right. we just can't we just can't get him on the field. Right. Who's the who's the, the the physical conditioning coach over there, man. It's starting to look like the Chargers with all the injuries. I know it's can't really blame anybody for that, but you would think that uh, somebody would be healthy. It's just been such a disaster. Something out there, but that wraps up our week 11 preview here. Take two. Hopefully this one, when I hit stop recording, will populate for us and we can get it out for everybody's listening pleasure. Coop, you know where to get them on Twitter, at Coop Fiasco. You can get me on at JMPama777. Of course, we're in the Fantasy Storm Discord as well. On Sundays from 11 to 12, we are answering your start state questions, getting you ready for week 11. And before we do go, of course, Coop, we have a lifestyle tip of the week. Yeah, got to do the lifestyle tips, man. This one's actually an easy one. And I was thinking to myself a little bit, I mentioned Goodyear welted shoes and some Lululemon sweatpants. And I'm like talking about all this expensive stuff and even cast making iron pants butter, to a certain degree. You know? Yeah, making your own butter, you can do very cheap. So here's another one that I started doing recently. And I swear it has changed my life. I just feel better. And here it is. Easy thing to do, or not necessarily easy, but drink two glasses of water the moment you wake up or as soon as you get a chance to uh, get in the kitchen. I'm telling you, it changes everything, man. I, I was clearly not drinking enough water throughout the day. If you start with two glasses of water, you're almost playing with house money. You only have to drink a few more uh, glasses of anything during the day and feel less hungry, drink less juices, which, you know, have like sugars, all the thing going for you. But uh, the thing about drinking the two glasses of water is that one is easy. I'm telling you right now, the second one is going to be a pain. Man, it's you got to get used to it. The second one feels like a chore. It really does. It's like an apple where like you take the first few bites of the apple and you love it. And then you're like, oh, I have to eat the rest of this apple. But it's good for you. You got to get through the chore. John, I know you are a big advocate of water drinking. Surprisingly, Uh, I do drink a ton of water. We got like a ton of water. And and I have this conversation all the time. People say, well, I just don't. What don't you like about it? it? It doesn't taste like anything. There are a bunch of zero sugar, zero calorie additives to things that help water taste better. There, I'm not a big soda water fan, but I, like I know you, people like the sparkling water, the soda water that has the flavor. Like you can do all those things that have no sugar, that have no calories, that are good for you to give it some flavor if you want. But to say like you don't like water, I, I don't, you don't, I don't like understand. you don't like water like what you don't like what else don't you like air like right, you, right. you don't like music like well, air and water your body needs it to, to survive you right. know what I mean and that You're that's why of mostly water trust me you like water right like my takeaway is that not everybody can do what you do John though and just have that jug of water constantly ready to rock and roll so that's why to me if you're active throughout the day doing different things you can't always take a break to drink some water start the day off with just two bangers of water. And then, then you're at least know you're not going to be dehydrated. You might not reach your full hydration of the amount of water you're supposed to drink throughout the day, but you're not, you're going to be, you're not going to be running on empty. And that's what makes you feel like trash. Ever since I've been doing this, I've felt so much better. And I just, you never know. It's like sleep deprivation. You never know why you feel terrible until you just all of a sudden change things up and feel better. So drink some water, folks. I agree. Good tip there. Love water. Drink water. You'll be healthier at the end of the day for it. That wraps up this week again. You know where to catch us. We will catch you all next week.